the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. When these battles arise and these conflicts come, don't be shocked by them. Don't be surprised by them because there's a sense in which they ought to be welcomed. You ought to rejoice when you have this because they reveal that you're alive and you pose a threat to to the kingdom of darkness. James wrote, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's not natural to be joyful about the trials of life that Satan inflicts upon us. But after some evaluation, we should be able to see them through eyes of faith. But how do we withstand and overcome the devil's assaults? The Apostle Paul gave us a great training manual in Ephesians chapter 6, and that's what we will be considering for the next several days on Verse by Verse. Welcome to our Bible class of the air, led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel. Pastor Steve has been pastoring at Lakeside, located in Clearwater, Florida, for more than 26 years. These programs are an extension of his teaching ministry. A while back, I was at a place that had armed guards. The bulletproof vests they were wearing had a large open area in the middle of the front of their chests. Of all the places to leave unprotected. Let's start our class now and see how much better the armor of God is than even the best bulletproof vest. On October 17th in the year 1586, an English nobleman and poet, Sir Philip Sidney, died from a leg wound received during a skirmish with the Spanish at the Battle of Zutphen. And the reason his leg was so badly wounded was because he wasn't wearing any protective covering, any protective armor that would cover that part of his body. You see, during the battle, he noticed that a fellow soldier, a friend of his, did not wear his leg armor, so Sidney removed his, and that decision proved to be fatal. He died from a leg wound. See, soldiers who experience victory understand that they must be fully, not partially, protected with armor, or else they're going to leave themselves open and and vulnerable, and that's where the enemy will attack. Well, that same principle holds true in spiritual warfare because Satan looks for unguarded areas of our lives to attack and to penetrate. And that's the essence of Paul's message in Ephesians chapter 6. So let's, let's turn there. We started our study of spiritual warfare from Ephesians chapter 6 about three weeks ago. And we said that, that Paul strategically puts this part about warfare into his letter at the end of Ephesians for a very important reason, because having taught this church and all churches some of the most glorious truths revealed in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul understands that if God's people embrace these truths and try to obey them and, and, and implement these specific truths, then they're going to be attacked. 
They're going to be attacked. You see, one of the marks of a maturing Christian as well as a maturing church is that they will find themselves engaged in spiritual battles. In their zeal to obey the truth, they will be opposed by Satan. That is reality. And he'll try to discourage you. He'll try to fill you with doubt. He'll try to hinder your ministry in whatever way he can. He will create conflicts between fellow believers. Keep that in mind next time you have a conflict. He will try to sow seeds of discord and disunity. Mark my words, these are the very kinds of battles that you can expect as individuals and that we can expect within the church fellowship. In fact, some of you are already experiencing these kinds of conflicts, especially conflicts amongst yourselves with other people. Recognize what what Paul said in verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The person you're having a conflict with is not the source of, of the conflict. There are demons behind it. Satan wants to mess up relationships and he'll do all kinds of things from slander, from people talking to other people about the problem rather than going to that person. All kinds of things. That's what the devil uses. So keep that in mind. When these battles arise and these conflicts come, don't be shocked by them. Don't be surprised by them because there's a sense in which they ought to be welcomed. You ought to rejoice when you have this because they reveal that you're alive and you pose a threat to to the kingdom of darkness. As Charles Spurgeon used to say, Satan never kicks a dead horse. It's true. Why would he kick a dead horse? You only kick a living horse. So if if you feel like you're being kicked around a bit these days, that's good. That's good. Take heart. It means that you're spiritually, spiritually alive and you must be doing something right in order to uh, draw the attention of Satan. However, just knowing, just knowing that Satan is behind these attacks, really, it, it, may, it may comfort you, it may encourage you, but it doesn't help you in knowing how to resist these attacks. We need to know how to defend ourselves during these battles so that we don't become casualties of war. And there are many Christians who are casualties of these wars. We've, we've all seen people like this, defeated believers who live substandard lives. At one time, they may have had very vibrant testimonies, very dynamic testimonies for Christ, but their testimonies were damaged by sin. And now they have very little joy They hardly, if ever, witness to anybody because they feel so hypocritical. They rarely serve the Lord in the church. They are spectators in the church, but not servants. They they never seem to get a handle on living a consistent Christian life. Now, God doesn't want any believer like that. That is not his desire that a believer end up like that. And so not only has he provided us with protective armor so we don't end up like that, but In Ephesians 6, he specifically identifies each essential piece of covering that you need as you go to war. There are six of them mentioned in Ephesians 6, and I want to read to you verses 14 through 17 because these six items are listed here. Paul says, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, in these verses, we're given six items, as I mentioned. We're told about a belt, a breastplate, sandals, a shield, a helmet, and then a sword. And in verse 18, Paul adds a seventh piece of non-clothing armor, prayer. 
prayer is, is part of what God has provided for us, though technically that's not a part of a soldier's armor. This is the complete and it is the sufficient wardrobe necessary for spiritual warfare. Take that to heart. You don't need anything else. You put this on and you're complete in your battles with the devil. You don't need any higher uh, mystical information for dealing with, with Satan. You don't need any highly charged commands that bind him or send him to the pit or send him anywhere. And you certainly don't need to practice exorcism and casting demons out of people. If there was ever going to be a place in the New Testament where Paul said, that's what you need to do, this would have been the place. There's no command to do that. If you encounter someone who is possessed of the devil, the demons, then witness to them, evangelize. If they come and trust Christ, the demons will leave. According to Paul in Ephesians 6, you will be completely protected and armed for battle when you put on the entire wardrobe that God has provided for you. And beginning with verse 14, we're told about the first piece of armor that we need to put on as we get dressed for battle. Verse 14 says this, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Now, that's an odd expression, girding your loins with truth. So we need, to, we need to explore this. We need to dig in. In order to understand what Paul means by this strange-sounding phrase, girding your loins with truth, I think it's helpful for us to do what we did in the series on the Ten Commandments. We want to ask some penetrating questions, and as we answer those questions from the Bible, we'll understand the fullness of this meaning. We're going to ask four questions today. Number one, we're going to look at this question. What is the meaning, the very basic meaning of, uh, of the expression girding your loins? That's where we have to begin. Secondly, what is the meaning of girding your loins with truth? We're not just to gird our loins, whatever that may mean. We're to gird our loins with truth. Third, why is it so important to gird your loins with truth? And number four, how do we do it? How do we gird our loins with truth in a practical way? So the first question we begin with is we want to ask ourselves, what is the meaning of the expression girding your loins? Now, it's important to keep in mind that Paul is writing in a context of warfare that a Roman soldier would engage in. That's the context. Remember when Paul wrote these words, he was under house arrest. He was a prisoner in Rome And he would have been chained to a Roman soldier when he wrote this. Now, in all fairness, we have to say honestly that these guards who watch Paul would not have been dressed in full battle attire. They're just watching a little Jewish guy under house arrest. They don't don't have to be dressed for warfare. But their presence would certainly bring to Paul's mind the imagery of what they would be like in full armor. And the first piece of clothing, and note this, the first piece of clothing that a Roman soldier always put on before anything else was a girdle. And I might add this, that Paul is not haphazard about the order with which the armor is put on. This is the, uh, the sequence of how a soldier would get dressed for battle. He put on a girdle. Now, um, the word girdle is related to the, to the expression girding your loins, but that sounds very foreign to most of us. Uh, a, a girdle is something that uh, women in past times, some I suppose still wear today, but a woman might wear a girdle to flatten and compress her, her stomach. Um, by a show of hands, huh? no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, they like that in the early service too. It, it gets you you're with me here. But, uh, but that's how a girdle was used, to flatten, compress a stomach. 
But that's not what a Roman soldier did. He, quite frankly, didn't care how flat his stomach was. A Roman soldier's girdle had nothing to do with compressing his tummy. His girdle was a belt, a belt. That's what you have to keep in mind. It was a heavy leather belt that went around his waist, or as the scripture puts it, his loins. But the thought is his, his waist. In fact, the NIV really captures the thought here. New International Version really captures the thought of Paul when they translate this, this phrase, standing firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That is the the imagery. That is the thought. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. See, a soldier's leather belt served as an important function in warfare, in combat. A Roman soldier always wore as his primary clothing a long outer garment that, that loosely was draped over him, over his body. It would have a place to put the hands and go over the, the head, but it was very loose. Well, you can't go into combat with loose clothing draped all around you. That would hinder you because remember, combat in those days was primarily hand-to-hand combat. You'd be wrestling. I mean, that's why Paul says we wrestle not with flesh and blood. That's, that's the warfare he understood. And so you, you cannot wrestle with somebody and you've got the clothing that could get in your way. You can't reach for your sword. You might grab some clothing and then your enemy is going to, uh, is, is going to get you. So it would hinder his movements. It would impede his, uh, his, his attack. Constantly have to be careful not to entangle himself. So to solve this problem and the danger of loose-fitting clothes impeding him in battle, the Roman soldier would simply take the loose clothing of his robes and tuck them into his belt. That's the very first thing he would do. He would get it out of the way is what the thought is. And that's the first thing he would do before going to war. Why? Watch this. This is the whole point of girding your loins. It meant when he girded his loins or tucked in his clothing, he was ready for battle. Before this, he was not ready for battle. That's why this is the first piece of armor. He was ready for battle. And being ready for battle is the primary issue that Paul is conveying here. They would have understood this in his time. We have to take some time to explain it because this culture is not our culture. Kent Hughes, in his excellent commentary on Ephesians, writes this. When a soldier tightened his belt, he was ready for combat because in the process of tightening, he drew up his tunic and cinched it so it would not impede him as he charged into battle. He writes, to get, to, to get a, the feel here, we might think of a football player clenching his mouthpiece and his teeth, adjusting his pads, hitching up his waist to get ready for the next play. But what the soldier did was even more crucial. His belt held everything in place. Without it, he would be powerless in battle, end of quote. So the basic purpose, folks, of a soldier's girdle or his belt was to make him ready for action. That is the primary thought here. It was the mark of being prepared for war. No soldier in his right mind would would go out of his tent and go into the battle without making sure that he had tucked in these robes. In fact, you know what? We even use that expression today. We say we're going to have to tighten our belt. And what that means is that tough times are ahead, usually financial Financially tough times. So we, we use that. I'm going to have to tighten the belt. It means we're getting prepared for, for difficulties ahead. Well, that expression really has its roots in ancient times. In fact, this concept of gathering up loose-fitting clothing to our, in our belt is, is mentioned in the Bible, not only in the context of war. 
People use this in other contexts as well about being prepared and ready for action. For example, in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were first told about the Passover meal, it was in light of the exodus from Egypt. And they were told they had to be ready to move out. They were going to have the Passover and they needed to be ready to just pick up and leave. And so we're told in Exodus twelve eleven that that involved having your loins girded. It wasn't war that we're told about here. It's just be ready to move out. Be prepared. In the New Testament, you have Jesus in Luke 12, 35, teaching on the importance of being ready for his second coming when he said, let your loins be girded about. Now, the New American Standard Bible, the translation that I use, translates this, rightly so, be dressed in readiness, because that's the thought. Be ready. Be ready. Let your loins be girded about, be dressed in readiness. And Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 1.13, when he says, gird the loins of your minds. May your mind be prepared. Gird the loins of your mind. Now, all of these verses are are essentially saying the same thing, whether it's in a warfare context or just action context. To gird up your loins meant be prepared for action. And in the context of spiritual warfare, what Paul is teaching is this. We are to fasten our belts and be ready for Satan's attacks. That's how we get ready. We fasten our belts. So before a Roman soldier ever moved, Moved out to engage in combat. He made sure he was ready for that combat by tucking in his loose clothing into a leather belt. But what kind of belt has God provided for us? You understand the concept now. You understand the main thought. But he's not talking about a leather belt or a girdle, a physical girdle for us. What is it? What is the belt that God has given us to prepare us for our battles. Well, that leads us to a second question. The first is, what is the meaning of having your loins girded? And it simply means be ready, be prepared. What is the meaning of the expression having your loins girded with truth? Well, notice verse 14 again. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. In other words, the one essential piece of armor that makes us ready for war with the devil is truth. It's truth. That's what prepares us. The belt that we wear is the belt of truth. It's the girdle or belt of truth. And immediately we are faced with an interpretive question, a question of interpretation. In what way is Paul using the word truth? In what way is he using it? Is he using it in the sense of honesty integrity, sincerity. I have to tell you, that's how many uh, really good Bible teachers interpret this. And what they would say is that Paul is teaching that the way to have victory over Satan is to have a truthful character, to be a man or a woman of honesty and integrity, free from any deception. And according to this view, to not be open, to not be honest would be to give Satan a foothold in your life. Now, I certainly agree with that. I I certainly agree that we are to speak the truth in love and we are to be honest and we are to be men and women of integrity, but I am not convinced that that's Paul's point and that's what he's teaching in Ephesians 6. I think he taught that in other places. Ephesians chapter 4 says, speak the truth in love. But I'm not convinced that that's what he means by that in Ephesians 6. And I'll tell you why. My main reason 
for not embracing that view is that each piece of armor that Paul mentions is something that God has provided for us. It's something outside of ourselves that we are to put on. It's not something that you have within you. And honesty and sincerity are internal qualities. They come from within us. What Paul is talking about is truth that's outside of ourselves, truth that we wrap around our lives as an essential piece of clothing that, that make us, makes us ready and prepared like nothing else in hand-to-hand combat with demonic forces. The only kind of truth that can possibly accomplish this is the objective content of the Word of God. The objective contents of God's word. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said and meant in John 17 when he said, thy word is truth, free of any error. It is truth. And what Paul is referring to in Ephesians 6.14 is the belt of truth is a commitment to live by his truth. That's what makes us ready to face the devil's lies. It's truth. Now, let me tell you the major objection to this view, because there is a major objection. Bible teachers who hold to the view of sincerity and honesty would come back and say, but notice verse 17. I want you to look at this. Verse 17, the last piece of armor concerning clothing armor that Paul refers to is the sword of the spirit, which he defines as the word of God. And so their objection would go something like this. Paul in verse 17 mentions the word of God. Why would he have mentioned it in verse 14? He's merely repeating himself. And my response to that is this. There is a difference between the sword of the spirit and what he's referring to in verse 14. And we'll see this even more closely when we, when we study verse 17. But the sword of the spirit refers not to the overall content of scripture, but to the individual and particular portions of scripture. As Satan throws his particular lies at you, you are to come back with particular truths of scripture. But the belt of truth is different. The belt of truth is not, is not an individual portion of scripture, various portions of scripture. It is the word of God in its entirety. It is the overall content of scripture. In other words, it is a life that is governed and mastered and controlled by a commitment to live by the truths of God's word. In other words, in verse 14, you have the big picture of the content of scripture, but in verse 17, you have the the small individual uh, specific components of scripture. See, the belt of truth, having girded your loins with truth, is nothing other than a commitment to the authority of Scripture in your life. That's what he's talking about. Without having the belt of truth to control our spiritual loose ends, we can easily get entangled in all sorts of false teachings. Thank you for listening today. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series of lessons about spiritual warfare taken from Ephesians chapter 6. For more than 26 years, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His practical verse-by-verse messages come to you through this fine radio station and the work of Verse-by-Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported through the gifts and prayers of listeners like you. If you missed the start of class, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online to today's program or download it and listen later. That goes too for the previous lessons that we keep on the archives page. While you're there, we invite you to browse around and learn more about Verse by Verse Ministries and Pastor Steve. 
The website once again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the beginning of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, you can order a CD or a cassette. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Perhaps you are already familiar with the many Bible verses that attest to God's love for His children and even His love for the whole world. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 is one such great verse. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is one of the truths that we need to keep tucked in, because if we don't have this and other important biblical truths squared away in our minds, Satan can and will confuse us. He will twist our thoughts and lead us to spiritual destruction. Come join us for the next verse by verse. Pastor Steve will finish answering the question of what it means to gird our loins with truth. And then we can deal with the next important question, now that we know what it means, how do we do it? You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.